your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah, going to chapter 40, and I'm going to begin at verse 27, and when you get your scripture, say amen. I'm going to tell you, God has laid such a foundation of where He wants this Word to go tonight till it's really exciting my spirit. But from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27, What saith thou, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and then that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. From the book of Amos, the 8th chapter, and I'm going to the 11th verse. I'll tell you, there's a working of the Spirit in this place. A deep, deep working of the Spirit. And I thank God for it. When the Lord spoke to me to have people come together in a time to seek the Lord. And those of y'all hadn't been here, the majority of this meeting's been prayer. Maybe an exhortation here and there, but the majority of it's been prayer and seeking the face of God. Because I'm going to tell you, the last thing we need is another camp meeting or another revival or another uh, good message preached to get people emotionally excited and leave the same way they came. We need an act of God. We need an act of God. And that's what God's laying the foundation for here is an act of God. There was an act of God in this place last night. There was an act of God in this place Wednesday morning. You hear me? God started off Wednesday morning with a, a moving of His Spirit. Strong prophecy came forth, and then there was an act of God last night with great deliverance. And God's not through. You hear what I'm telling you? God's not through. Something is started in the Spirit that is going to bring us to an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire that's going to be as great or greater than what God poured out on the day of Pentecost. And we are close to it, but it's going to take the hungry seeking God. And from... Amos the 8th chapter in the 11th verse. Behold the day come. The days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now I want to exhort on something right there, that but of hearing the words of the Lord. That word hearing there means obedience. Look it up. It means obedience. So it's not that the Word of God isn't going to be preached. It is that there is going to be no obedience to the Word. And we're in a generation now that people are not obedient and don't want to be obedient to the Word of the Lord. And there shall wander, and they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. And they shall run to and fro to seek the Word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins 
and the young men faint for thirst. This is the same thing that Isaiah saw in Isaiah 40. Same thing. He said, in that day, the, the fair, what are the fair virgins? They're the young converts. They're those that have done their best to keep their life clean, to walk up right before God. But because there wasn't anything in the Spirit to help them, it said they're gonna faint. Your young converts, your young men, those that you should be training for ministry and for a walk and a relationship with God, they're going to faint. We gotta have something to sustain us. People all around us are fainting and they're falling by the wayside because all preachers are doing is preaching good words and they've come up with gimmicks to try to entertain people. We don't need entertainment. We need an act of God. We don't need somebody to... to uh, uh, Smoke and mirrors and strobe lights and we don't need that. We need an act of God. We need a visitation of the Holy Ghost, but it's only going to come when people get desperate. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Hallelujah. Ask my wife about desperation. Ask her about desperation. She can tell you. Because she reached the place of desperation. And when she did, the Spirit of God stood up in her. It stood up in her. But see, the thing about it was, everything she went through, God hid it from me. I didn't see it. I didn't discern the Spirit. I didn't know what she was going through. God hid it from me. And my, I'm going to tell you, my discernment ain't broke. The gift of God in this vessel can discern spirits. It can, it, it's got an anointing to destroy yokes, to destroy oppression and depression, and, and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. God has put the, but God hid this thing from me to put her through these trials, uh, to bring her forth at His time and to work in her. Uh, and now there's a deliverance in her. She can preach and walk in deliverance. Uh, the power of God in her will deliver people that bound by this depression if it's God's time to deliver them and set them free God will use her for his glory to be revealed children of God we've got to have some vessels we've got to have some vessels the days of the big eyes is over with are you hearing me this is a body ministry and God is drawing a people together into one mind for one accord one heart one spirit we all going to have the same mind the same judgment and speak the same thing for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body and God has set the members in the body as it pleased him not how it pleased you see one thing people don't understand about a relationship and a walk with God you take this man right here I can remember before he ever started coming to this church, I can remember God speaking to him about the call of God on his life. And is, is that one of y'all's family reunions, Sister Pat? He stood up and declared that he was called of God and he was going to begin to preach the gospel. You remember what year that was? But it hadn't been that long ago. But see, there's people who don't want to recognize what God's put in him, or recognize that God has ordained him and placed him to be the pastor of this church. I've been serving God for years. I don't have to sit under some young whippersnapper. 
you ain't getting the picture. God put him here. God didn't put you here. God put him here. God placed him in the body as it pleased the Lord. God placed you where you're at. There's people who have been serving God a whole lot longer than you have. They have greater knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the Word. But the thing is, they're not pliable in God's hands. See, God takes vessels He can work with. God takes vessels that He's chosen and He can use for His glory to be revealed, not for your glory to be revealed. Ooh! Hallelujah. We're going somewhere, church. Let's go do... First Peter, fifth chapter. I got on this a little bit last night. I'm going to the tenth verse. First Peter, fifth chapter, tenth verse. But the God of all grace who has called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Y'all see this scripture? What has my wife talked about? What has Sister Angela talked about? Sufferings. That after you have suffered a while. Brother Metter, what's a while? I don't know. Ask God. It may be a longer while for you than it is for somebody else. A lot of times how you accept your trials and walk through them depends on how long you stay in them. And that will put you in a greater trial. The more stubborn you are when God begins to deal with you and allow afflictions will cause your trial sometimes to be drawn out. Oh, well, Brother Metter, I, I, I was raised that everything that bad happens to you is of the devil. Boy, i tell you one thing. Y'all need to sit down and write Paul a letter. Because Paul went through some sufferings. You read Second Corinthians 11th chapter, and he'll tell you all the sufferings he went through. I think he said he was shipwrecked three different times. A day and a night, one time he floated in the deep. said he'd been beaten, stoned, left for dead. I don't see none of y'all have gone through those kind of sufferings. You know, people in foreign countries that believe in Christ recognize that they're going through tribulation and persecution. People in this country got this idea that they ain't never going to have to endure anything. But I'm going to tell you all the persecution and the deaths going on overseas now is beginning to get the church's attention in America that maybe God ain't just going to snatch us out of here. That we're going to go through some things. I can remember when we went to Punjabi in 2007. We went over and preached on them rooftops. To 50, 75, and 100 people, we could look into Pakistan, which is close to the Pakistan border. We preached them people on them rooftops. We went out and eat with some of them native preachers. 
in the very village we was preaching in. He said, I preached here, had souls saved, and I was on my way home one night, and they caught me, and they beat me. I mean, the Muslims stood there and glared at us while we preached the gospel of Christ. And he said, them Muslims caught me and they beat me. He said, they broke my arm, they broke my face, they broke my nose. He said, I thought they was going to beat me to death. And he said, and they walked off and left me laying there, bleeding, broken. You remember that? You remember that, Brother Michael? And we said, what would you do? He said, I mended, got better, and went back and preached again. Went back to the same village. He said, after you have suffered a while, I will make you, what did he say? Perfect. That word perfect there means mature and complete in Christ. He said, I'll mature you. I'll complete you. Man, I feel the Spirit of God fixing to take this thing. Hallelujah. Let me go on with this. After this you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish. Do you all know what the word establish means? It means to turn resolutely in a certain direction or set. Establish, strengthen. To strengthen means to confirm in spiritual knowledge and power. Settle you to consolidate ground or lay a foundation. So the Lord is telling us here, that I'm going to establish you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to settle you. But before I do, you're going to suffer a while. You better don't talk to me about suffering. I don't care one thing about suffering. Just go ahead and perfect me. Just go ahead and mature me, Lord. Sufferings bring maturity. Sufferings bring settling. Sufferings will strengthen you if in your sufferings you will submit to a relationship with God. Her testimony... She went through sufferings. I mean, she went through sufferings. She went through total depression. And that's when we had started pastoring the church here. I'd leave to come to Fort Payne. She'd be up doing everything. Second I pull out the driveway, she'd go to bed. Stay in bed for days on end. She knew I was coming home. She's up, had the house cleaned, the clothes washed. Ready to fix meals. And the Lord hid it from me. But he let her suffer. But then something rose up in her. And she began to fight her way back. 
Nobody laid hands on her. You hear me? Nobody laid hands on her. She got down in that basement. We got a full basement under our house. And there's 12 steps that go down to that basement. She calls that her 12-step program. That's her 12-step program. Is in 12 steps down to that basement to get on her knees and go to prayer, cry out to God when she didn't even know whether God was hearing her or not. What was it, about two to three years that you went through that? Probably, what, 2005 to about 2006, uh, 2007? 2008 was her last. But see, she went into this because she'd been through some pressures. In the year 2000 or 99, no, it was 2000, I fell off a roof. I fell 22 feet, slid off a tin roof, fell 22 feet, landed on my stomach. When I landed on my stomach, I completely crushed my L5 vertebrae, cracked another one, separated my pelvic bone from the base of my spine all the way down to my tailbone, fractured two ribs and fractured that elbow, and laid on the ground for almost 45 minutes to an hour having people pray because I believed God. I believed in a God of miracles. God didn't raise me up. Finally, I told my wife, I said, the only thing I know to do is call and let the ambulance take me to the hospital. Because I tried to get up and couldn't. I told her, I said, I'm getting up. I was laying flat on my back, Brother Denny. Uh, when, when she seen me fall, she come running around there and said, what I do? I said, two things. Get me something put under my back and call some folks to pray. She brought me a piece of plywood. I rolled over on it. She got some folks on the phone. They started praying. I was laying there on the ground. My stomach started swelling. I was going in and out of consciousness. I woke up. My daddy-in-law was there. He walked over and unbuckled my belt on my blue jeans. My stomach swelled up like a basketball, and I heard him tell her. I said, you better get him to the hospital. He's busted up inside. He's got internal bleeding. He's fixing to die. She said, if he don't say go to the doctor, he don't go to the doctor. We had this discussion a long time ago. If I'm conscious... And I don't say I'm going to the doctor. Don't you take me to the doctor. So in and out of consciousness, I went. Reaching and praying and believing. But God had brought me to the end of my faith. God had brought me to, into a place to change me. To work something in me. Because I was... Y'all been in my tent meetings. You've been there in Batesville when God packed them tents out and done all manner of miracles and, and baptized people and helped people and, and poured out the Spirit of God. That's the way I lived my life. I wasn't evil. I wasn't living evil. I wasn't living ungodly. I was walking up right before God, fasting and praying, preaching the Word, having great miracles, great deliverance. So why would God allow this to come on me? I didn't understand. And on the way to the hospital, when they loaded me in that ambulance, and on the way to the hospital, I thought there for a little bit, after I come to my senses, they might have made a turn to take me to the mental institution because my wife will tell you all the way to the hospital, I was giving the devil what for. I said, you sorry, low down, good for nothing, devil. 
devil, when I get back on my feet, I'm going to beat you. I will beat the hound out of you. I will destroy you. I will defeat you. You sorry, good for nothing. I mean, them people probably thought I was crazy. But see, I thought that the devil had done this. I didn't know that God had put me in a trial and was going to allow me to suffer. And the lady that I got all the respect for in the world, she's gone on to be with the Lord now. But she called me about 1.30 in the hospital, about 1.30 that morning. That's about 2.30 on a Saturday evening. Time they got me checked in, done all the CAT scan and all that stuff. And got me checked in. And that lady that was doing that CAT scan, I had, I had fractured that arm. And it wouldn't go. She wanted it up over my head. It wouldn't go up over my head. It'd go about right there. And she said, you're going to have to put that arm up over that head. I said, ma'am, that arm ain't going up over my head. She said, well, I'll put it up there for you. I said, you grab a hold of that arm and you push it up over my head. I said, you better watch yourself. I said, because this is going to take you out. I was serious. I was hurting. I mean, they took me to the hospital at 2.30 or 6.30. I was still strapped to a backboard in ER. I still strapped to a backboard four hours later, screaming in pain. I didn't understand what God was doing. But then she called me about 1.30 in the morning, started talking to me. She said, Brother Matter, I want you to know something. I said, what's that? She said, it wasn't a little while back God spoke to me and said, God creates every circumstance. I said, I love you and I appreciate you calling, but in the back of my mind, I said, ain't no way God done this to me. I mean, I had a lot of respect for one of the prayingest people. Love God, lived by the Word, lived a life as clean and pure as anybody could live. Walked up right before God. Your pastor, I called her my pastor. But when she told me that God created this circumstance and God was in total control... I didn't understand. Yes. Yeah. She passed almost a year ago this month. Because, see, I was raised that anything bad happened to you was the devil. That's the way we was taught. Anything bad happens to you, it's the devil. I didn't understand affliction. I didn't understand trials. I didn't understand, Brother Danny, God allowing you to go through afflictions and trials to mature you and bring you forward in a faith, in a strength. I had a faith in God. I thought I had a faith in God. I thought I had a relationship with God. I thought I had a walk with God. When this young man right here, what was you, 12, 11? Saw me fall off the roof. He didn't know how to process his daddy being a man of faith and power and having great miracles. He didn't know how to process the Lord allowing this to happen. And it put questions in his mind. It put questions in his heart. I'm going to tell you, we go through things, sometimes we'll question God. Sometimes we'll ask God, why? God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? It ain't yours to ask God why. It is yours to pray and walk in a relationship with God. Let God order your steps and direct your paths. Because if you're faithful in that word and the working of His Spirit, He will bring you out. He will bring you through. He will work something in you. But we don't want to suffer. Are you hearing me? We don't want to suffer. And went through that and stayed in the hospital five 
five days. And finally they come in there and, and the doctor told my wife, he said, we're going to uh, go in and uh, put a plate on his spine on that disc and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. When that doctor walked out of the room, I looked at my wife and said, you can just sign me out and take me home. They ain't cutting on me. I didn't seen too many miracles. You ain't cutting on me. So they sent us physical therapists up there and they come back the next day and said, we're going to put a back brace on him. One of them elastic back braces and said, we're going to send him home and see how he does. So the therapist come up there the next day and they set me up on the side of the bed. And I think he had that back brace, didn't he? Did I put that back brace on then? And I stood on the side of the bed right there. And there was a chair, Brother Michael, uh, probably about where you're sitting. And I was standing right there. And the therapist said, all right, now I want you to take a step. And this right foot went forward one inch. And my wife said, come on, honey, you can do it. Take a step. Take a step. I know you can. I gritted my teeth and glared at her and said between my teeth, I said, I just took one. Pain shot through my body when that foot went forward one inch. And she said, well, good, take another one. So about 15, 20 minutes it took me to cover that three or four feet to get in that chair. Pain shooting through my body. And I sat up in that chair about 45 minutes, then got up and they helped me back in bed and I laid back down and the doctor come in the next day and I said, when can I go home? He said, as soon as you can get up on that walker, walk down that hall, turn around and come back. He said, I'll send you home. I said, send the therapist up here tomorrow with a walker. That therapist come up with that walker. I made myself get up on that walker, tighten that back brace, go down that hall and come back. And when I got back, I was blood red. I was sweating. Pain was shooting through my body. When I was bound and determined, I was getting out of that place. I was going home. Spent two months in a hospital bed in my own bedroom. I couldn't set myself up. I'd have to call my wife to come and set me up. I'd turn on my right side. She'd set me up, and I'd sit there, and I'd take that back brace, and I'd wrap it around me, and I'd pull it just as tight as I could pull it. I'd grab a hold of that walker, and I'd say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And I'd stand myself up, Brother Randall. I'd retighten that back brace, and I'd take a step, and I'd quote, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. I'd take another step, and I'd say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I take another step and quote another scripture. I, I went that for two months, suffering in pain, I, suffering, but the whole time God was working. I, something in me, God was working a maturity and a strength. I, don't you talk about me. Don't you run me down. I, don't you vilify and backbite. I, don't you stand up against what God's worked in me because you don't know where I've been. I, you don't know the hell I went through in the fight. I, how Hallelujah! During all that, I, I'd go to I, I'd start to go to sleep at night. After about a month into this, a dark cloud appeared in the left-hand corner of my room, and for three to four weeks, a voice spoke out of that cloud. Said, "You failed God. Your faith is gone. God's rejected you." You'll never preach again. You'll never have another miracle. You'll never have another soul saved. You'll never fulfill the call of God on your life. You you disobeyed God. That thing tormented me, tormented me. 
for almost a month. And a good friend of mine, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. He come and sat down in my living room and talked to me for about 45 minutes and told me some of the things he'd been through. His name's Pastor Franklin Walden. Some of y'all know him or know of him. I didn't know him in his early years, but I got to know him real well. In later years, you're talking about a man that walked with God and had integrity. I got the utmost respect for that man because I've never seen nothing out of his life. He sat there and talked to me, told me the things he'd been through, and then he got up and walked over and just took me by the hand prayed a simple prayer. And God destroyed that yoke. Destroyed that spirit. She didn't know what to do. She couldn't do it. She knew what I was going through, but she couldn't do it. But see, God allowed all this. I don't get into this to elaborate. The Lord put this in my spirit tonight. Lord put it in her spirit. Lord put it in her spirit. That was in 99 of February. In May, I had to go through a month of therapy, learn to walk all over again. I was going to a camp meeting in North Carolina at the end of May, and somebody was supposed to drive me. And I had a six-speed F-350 diesel. Had somebody supposed to drive me, and the last second they backed out on me. And I looked at her. I said, I'm going anyhow. I said, I've been out of church for three months. I said, i got to get in church. i got to get back under the Word of God. I said, I've got to get back under where I can feel the presence and the Spirit of God. And I had three and a half hours to drive, if not four. I pulled that back brace around me, got in that truck, and took off. Was it easy? No, but I was determined. Every time I'd push that clutch in, ooh, holy Jesus, hallelujah. Thank God most of it was interstate. I finally loosened that back brace up, got there, pulled into the church, started to tighten that back brace to get out. Something hit me. I took that thing and I flung it in the back seat. I said, God, I've had enough. I said, I'll never wear it again. I said, you're going to heal me. You're going to heal me. I said, I'm not putting up with this. Got out and walked in that service. The majority of the people knew what had happened to me. I testified. Everybody was weeping and crying and praising God that God had, you know, brought me that far. Went and checked in the motel that night. And pastor called me late that night. He said, uh, he said, you think you could preach tomorrow? I said, well, I ain't. I hadn't preached in four months, three or four months. I said, I might not be able to, because I couldn't stand about 15 minutes. I'd start hurting so bad. He said, well, just do what you can. He said, if it's 15, 20 minutes, he said, I just feel led for you to take the service. I said, okay. So I come that night, and they turned the service over to me. I said, you know, I told the pastor, I said, I hadn't preached in several months. I said, I might not be able to preach 15, 20 minutes. I said, but you know, there's probably a backlog of the Word of God in here. I said, this damn breaks. Y'all may be in for a two-hour service. And I preached about 15, 20 minutes. And crazy me called for a prayer line. Couldn't stand on my feet, Brother Danny. My back already killing me. I said, anybody in here needs a miracle? Get in line. First man in line looked at me. He said, I was in a car wreck six years ago. I got busted up disc. He said, I heard all the time. He said, you preach this word for me. And the devil said, God ain't going to heal him. 
He said, you've been rejected. He said, the gift of God don't work in your life anymore. When that man told me what happened to him, Sister Angela, I felt a warmth come out of me and go into that man. I felt his pain. I felt compassion. The Spirit of God hit me. I slapped my hands on that man's head. The power of God went down through him. Next thing I know, he was running that church, shouting and praising God. God had completely healed him. And when people saw that, they packed the prayer line all the way to the door. And for the next hour and 45 minutes, I laid hands on folks. Man, I was feeling good. I went out to eat with the brothers, went back to the motel, got in the bed, feeling good, shouting and praising God. About three hours later, woke up, had to go to the bathroom, and I couldn't move. I'm serious, I couldn't move. Rolled over on my stomach, slid off the bed on my belly, crawled to the restroom and pulled myself up on the toilet to be able to go to the restroom. Because I'd messed with all them muscles. You being a nurse, you know what I'm talking about. But I started coming through. We started this church here. Well, actually in a house down the road about four or five miles. You remember that, Brother Danny? And I would go in to get on my knees to pray. And people would have to help me up. I hurt so bad. And we started the church here the same way. I'd come in here to pray get on my knees to pray and cry out to God, somebody have to come help me off my knees. But I was determined. Did God heal me immediately? No. But He healed me completely. I don't live in pain. There's still a disc in my back, mash flat as a pancake. One of them still cracked. Did God heal these ribs? Yeah. Did He heal this? Yeah. Did He do something in my spirit? Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. Well, it was probably eight months to a year before I ever got to where I could really move around. 2003 of May, lightning hit our house. Everything my kids had was destroyed. Most of what we had was destroyed. Where was I when lightning hit? In Fort Payne, Alabama, getting come to this church, getting ready to go to prayer with the saints. When I got the call. Had turned drive home. Went. My wife was staying with some neighbors. We, I went by and got her. Rode up to the house. There the whole top floor of my house was burnt off and everything. Water damaged, soaked. And for the next year, we went through it mentally. We went through it physically. I rebuilt my own house. Work Monday through Friday, rebuilding the house, driving here and preach Saturday and Sunday. Wore myself out physically. I almost turned the church over to somebody else. The Lord said, I didn't give the charge of the church to anybody else. He said, you turned over to somebody else. said, it won't stand. He said, I put the charge of the church in your hands. Don't you turn it over to nobody else. So spiritually worn out, physically worn out, I come in here and preached. Saturday and Sunday. Leave here. Sunday night, drive home, work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leave Friday, work 12, 14 hours a day rebuilding that house, just wore myself down. whole time, she had, what set her depression in? What she had to deal with mentally. What she had to deal with mentally. What we had to deal with mentally and physically, going through everything we went through. 
It tried us. It tried us. It put her in depression. Matter of fact, she'll tell you when we moved back in the house and she unpacked her stuff, she saw her Bible. She hadn't picked her Bible up in a year. That's when she started asking the Lord, how did I get here? How did I get here? If you ain't walked in our shoes, don't criticize, don't judge, don't condemn. When our house burnt, were you 14? Thereabouts. Caused him to pull inside. He didn't understand. He lost everything he had that day except the clothes on his back. And I prayed going home. I said, God, I said, I understand trials. I said, but you're going to have to help my kids. My middle daughter getting ready to graduate high school. She lost her cap, her ground, all her awards, everything she had in her room. And, I mean, she was an achiever. She was in what they call the magnet school. She was valedictorian of the magnet school. She was an achiever. She lost everything she had in the natural. She pulled up in herself. Say, why are you going this way? Because you need to understand God's got vessels that have gone through suffering, and he's brought them to maturity. He's brought them to maturity that they can now minister to God's people and help God's people to grow. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't understand suffering, you don't understand pain, you don't understand heartache and sorrow, you can't minister to anybody that's going through it. You don't understand tormenting spirits. You don't understand forces of hell, and you ain't never been there. You can't minister to them. You can't have compassion on them. God said, I'll cause you to suffer a while. Think we thought we had everything lined out? Never been sick a day in my life? December the 8th, 2014. About 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I was so sick, I couldn't stand on my feet. We thought it was the flu. I just preached up in L.J. George on a Friday night. This was a Sunday. I was hurting so bad, throwing up, sick. Couldn't stand on my feet. And an actual demon of death manifested itself in our living room by our fireplace. She saw it. It had come to take my life. It wanted to stop what God wanted to work. Are you hearing me? If you are a child of God and God has ordained you, the devil has targeted you and you are in his crosshairs. So finally, about 2.30 that morning, we tried to lay down. I heard, I rolled, I pleaded, I begged. I, I, I cried out to God for God to heal me. She got a couple of, uh, I know one minister on the phone. He prayed for me. I was incoherent. I didn't know what was going on. So finally, she took me to the hospital, checked me in about 3.30 that morning. I told her, I said, I've got to have some help. I've come to the end of my faith. Don't know what to do. Well... That may be you, Brother Matter. I'll never get there. Better watch your words. Better watch your mouth. I got criticized for going to the doctor. When they checked me into the hospital, they thought I had the flu. I think they had 45 people that they checked in that had the flu because it was bad that year. The doctor come back and he told my wife, he said, this ain't the flu. 
He said his sugar is over a thousand. He said his A1C is over fourteen. He said, I don't know how the man standing on his feet said he ought to be dead or in a diabetic coma. That's all I remember. I woke up in ICU about ten hours later. Tubes coming out of my arms. They double pumped me with insulin. For four hours I was still over eight hundred. I should have stroked out. I should have been dead. I should have been in a diabetic coma. But you know what she done? Went down to the chapel and got on her knees and started crying out to God. And God spoke to her and said, don't worry, I'm not through with him. said, I'm bringing him up and I'm bringing him out. I've never taken medication a day in my life. I left the hospital having to take diabetic medication. The Lord told me to. He said, it's just for a short time. Am I ashamed of it? No, I don't understand it, but I'm not ashamed of it. I've seen people die trying to say they had faith in God and didn't have faith to heal a cross-eyed chigger with a toe ache. But yet, because people condemned, because people condemned, and they'd been taught they had to have faith in God and in the stripes of Jesus, people would die rather than go to the doctor. That's a bunch of garbage. Ooh, buddy, that went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? You was raised in wholeness. You had a grandmother that believed God. I remember hearing about a miracle about you when you was little. A butcher knife went through your foot. You was raised in a move of God, but somewhere you got off track and got out in the world, got mixed up in drugs, drug dealing. She went through sufferings. She got beat so bad one time that her own daddy come to the hospital. and He said, no, that ain't my daughter. Couldn't even recognize her. She went through sufferings. But what did God do when she was facing 45 years in prison? Went before the judge. He spent a year, didn't he, in jail? Spent a year in jail. I don't know how many. I just know your testimony. I don't know how many times you've been there. But she spent a year in jail. She learned how to pray in jail. Learned how to cry out to God and call on the name of the Lord in jail. When they got her, she was hunting for a man fixing to kill him because he had messed her up on a drug deal. Didn't you have a pistol with you? Going to shoot him? And turned out that man made a preacher. (laughs) That man made a preacher, but they got her, put her in jail. She stayed in jail a year, and God started dealing with her. She started getting up and praying. They'd walk around her bed, aggravate her, torment her, cuss her, spit in her food. And she learned to pray on her knees with people persecuting her. She learned to suffer for the gospel. Why are you saying this? Because she suffered. I suffered. She suffered. I I don't know what you've been through, Brother Michael, but I'm telling you, God said, I've got vessels that have suffered. And now he's fixing to bring these people to maturity because we got to have a mature church. What did Isaiah say? The fair virgins and the young men have fainted. There's nothing going on in the church. There's no move of God. There's no souls being saved. There's no uh, kind of deliverance happening. Uh, and people are fed up with religion. They do not want to go to church for a program, uh, for a, a gimmick, for uh, anything. They're looking for the reality of God. Uh, and nobody's showing them the reality of God. But God is now uh, maturing a church and bringing it forward. Uh, that's why God's bringing you to maturity.
maturity. He's bringing her to maturity. He's bringing him to maturity. He's bringing me to a mature place in Christ. I don't care what you think about me. I know what I've suffered. I know what I've been through. I know the heartache, the sorrows, the financial trials, the tormenting spirits. I know how I've stood and declared the word of this kingdom and I've been persecuted for what I've preached and people's told me I'm wrong. But I still stand for the faith. I still stand for the faith and I preach a pure, unadulterated, undefiled word of God and I do my best to live a life that's holy and clean and upright before God. And I will stand and suffer the persecution because somewhere the sufferings of this world are not present. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with a glory which shall be revealed in us. It is starting to be revealed right now. Right now. God ain't tried you. Don't you criticize a vessel that's been tried. Because I'm going to tell you something. God will deal with you. God will deal with you. Y'all don't know what that lady's been through. You don't know the suffering she but You don't know the sickness. Y'all hear me? You don't know her having to go off and leave two kids to evangelize and the trials she went through, but she suffered for the gospel. I remember she fell and broke a foot while ministering in North Carolina, went and got on an airplane with a broke foot to go to India, and God healed her. God healed her. Did He heal you when you got on the plane? You called me and asked me to pray for you, and I told you, go ahead, go to India, go preach the gospel. And on the way to India, God healed that broke foot because she put God's Word to the test. She put it to the test. See, it don't matter where you're at. It don't matter what you're going through. It don't matter the torment, the vexation, the aggravation, the hell you're going through. But I'm telling you, God ain't going to bring you out till it's time. People get in trials and they start praying, God, deliver me. God, set me free. God, help me. God, move this thing. If God moves it, you're not completing your trial. He can't purge you. He can't perfect you. He can't strengthen you, settle you, establish you. He can't do it. This is my son, my youngest one. I'm very proud of what God's doing in him. But when we went through that fire, he drew back in himself. And when he got to college, he started drinking. Probably started drinking before he got to college. Just kept it hid from his daddy. The Lord didn't let me see it. He got in college, started drinking, got so bound with alcohol, he had to have a drink to wake him up and start him off of a morning. We were very close when he was a young man growing up. The devil put a rift. I'm not saying this to embarrass him. We've, we've mended our relationship. But you know what he done? We had a men's meeting here one time. He come to me and he told all the brothers in the church. He said, Daddy, he said, if you'd taught me to pray. See, because I raised him in church, Mr. Angel, they was raised around the power of God. They knew God was real. They knew the miracles. They heard me and their mama pray. But I never taught them to pray. Don't make that mistake with your kids. Teach them to pray. Get y'all a family altar. 
I've got four CDs on teachings on the family altar. Y'all need to learn to pray side by side. For 31 years, me and my wife never prayed side by side. You're the one that preached that message in the youth rally that caused us to get down and start praying side by side. I preached that message for over two years. I wore it out. And it began to get a hold of people's hearts. It got a hold of him. By that time, he was married. And he told me, I come in testifying what God had done. Me and my wife got down side by side for the first time in 31 years, prayed side by side, prayed together. God started working things in our hearts and our lives because we'd get out and go to prayer and we'd start into prayer and either she would say it or I would say it. We'd stop praying and said, we need to talk. Do y'all know how bad a man hates to hear those words? We need to talk. Life brings problems. We would talk things out. We would talk pressures, upsetnesses, vexations. Get them talked out. Forgive one another. Forgive. Things that had happened in our marriage because I'd gone so much in the evangelistic field when all the kids, she had responsibility to all the kids. I wasn't taught a balance. I wasn't taught how to balance my home and my ministry. I wasn't taught, Brother Danny. I wasn't taught how to balance ministry. I teach ministers now how to balance ministry with family because they got to know. You don't balance ministry and family, you'll wind up divorced if God don't have mercy on you. We could have very easily been there because she lived one life and I lived another. But we got all that straightened out on our knees side by side and prayed together. And it brought a love, it brought a bond, it brought a unity, it brought a strength into our home. And I remember coming in here and start preaching this word. Christopher and his wife Whitney back there, they were going to church here. And he told me, he said, Daddy, he said, me and Whitney are praying. But they had like two couches. She'd pray at one. He'd pray at the other. I said, pray side by side, see what happens. They prayed side by side. He come back and said, you know something? He said, it works. He said, it works. He said, God started changing us. He said, God has given me a little more love, respect, and caring for my wife since we started praying together. He said, then I never knew was possible. And everybody that took that family altar and practice it. I got reports from all over the United States. It works. It works. God's let you suffer. But now He's going to perfect you. God lets you suffer, son. And He's doing it to bring you to a place that you can be a light to this young generation. When He walked in here on His, what, 20th birthday? Walked in here on His 20th birthday. He sent His mom an email. And he had a, a a good friend in college, young Baptist boy, that started witnessing to him about the Lord. And God convicted his heart. He walked in here on his 20th birthday. I didn't even know he was coming. I had taken the platform. I didn't even know he was here. I looked back. He was right there where my brother was sitting, right beside my wife. He had his hands raised, praising God, tears flowing down his face. I went back there and called him out, laid hands on him. Face planted right in the middle of the aisle and laid there the whole service crying and praising and got baptized and filled him with the Holy Ghost and started changing him. Started changing him. Changed him from that day to right now. 
But he said, Daddy, if you'd have taught me to pray. See, I didn't know. We've made so many mistakes. We've gone through so much suffering. But now God's bringing, the Lord spoke to me at 4 o'clock this morning and said, I've spent a generation gathering this body together. It's going to govern the church in these last days. He spent a generation searching you out, Sister Angela, searching me out. He's searching you out, son. He's proving you. He's testing you. Are our trials over? Oh, no. Oh, no. They're not over. But the place God's brought us to, He's bringing us into maturity in that place so He can bring us to a greater place and mature some more. Don't think because you're going through something, God's left you. Don't think because you're going through something, God's forsook you or forgot you. He hadn't. He's just letting you suffer a while. He's just letting you suffer a while. But see, the key is you've got to keep that relationship with God alive, and you've got to keep it in front of you. We've all slipped. Every one of us has slipped. Every one of us has got discouraged. Every one of us has let the devil slide something in on us. But that don't mean you've got to stay there. That don't mean you've got to stay there. That means you bounce back. That means you bounce back. Is God going to bring everybody to this place? No, because everybody won't allow it. Everybody won't let the Spirit work in them. Everybody will not. See, when I gave my heart to the Lord at 19, I started pursuing the call of God. I started pursuing it. But Danny will tell you, he knew me back in those days. I used to date a young lady that lived right down below where him and his family lived, and I'd go down there, and spirit of prayer get on me, and I'd go out in them woods and pray, or up in that barn loft and pray, and his mom would hear me praying, and it stirs mama up, and she'd get out and start praying. God started working something in me. I prayed, I fasted, I sought God, I studied the Word. God started putting deliverance in my life. But then God started letting me suffer. But see, I submitted to God. There's a lot of people I've seen the call of God on their life. They're going to work their job first. They're going to get that retirement. They're going to have their career. They're going to have their insurance. They're going to have everything they need in the natural. Then they're going to fulfill the call of God. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. God's looking for a vessel that's obedient and pliant in His hands. Did God have to break some things out of me? Oh, yeah, He did. He did. I mean, there's there's some preachers almost whipped a few times. Because I was young. I had backbone. And I was seeking God. And a, 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 a pastor of the church where I was at that time asked me to preach. He said, i got to be out of town Wednesday night. Can you? Would you mind preaching? I said, don't mind at all. 
took the whole day off work, sought the Lord all day long. Got down to the tent. They was having a tent revival. Got down to the tent. The fire of God burning in me, and the assistant pastor had come back in town unexpected. And he informed me. He said, you ain't going to preach tonight. He said, I'm taking service. I said, okay. And I was standing there behind the tent. He didn't know it, and I walked up behind him, and he was talking to another man. And he said, I'm so tired, I can't hardly stand on my feet. He said, I think I'll just go out there and shout them tonight. He said, and get through the service. He said, just, just shout them. You know why he didn't want me preaching? He knew the words in me. He knew my dedication. He knew the people would receive something, and he didn't want it to happen. I went that tent next night. I was fixing to whip somebody. I'm serious. I mean, I was fixing to whip a preacher. And there was a man minister and I'd never seen before. See, those things hurt. Especially a young preacher, those things cut, they hurt. And I sat in that truck and I wouldn't get out and go in that tent. I just waiting for service to be over. I'd back in in the dark. I was waiting for the service to be over. You better believe I did. And there was a man preaching I'd never seen before. And he started having a, he had a prayer line. And he started ministering to people. And the Lord told me, he said, you get in that prayer line. I said, no, sir. He said, you get in that prayer line. I said, I ain't doing it. I was mad. I wanted to be mad. I wanted to be mean. Finally, the Spirit of the Lord moved on me. He said, you get in that prayer line. I walked in that prayer line. I was at the end of the prayer line. I waited to last. And when that brother, when I walked up there, I'd never seen him before. He told me, raise my hands. And I raised my hands. He slapped his hands on me. And the voice of the Lord spoke out of him. And the Lord said, I say unto thee, why do you always ask me why? He said, everything I put you through, you ask me why. He said, stop asking me why. And he said, let patience have her perfect work. kept me from messing myself up. Because I'm going to tell you something, if I'd have whipped him, it would have been a great report on my... <laughs> been a big old blotch on my resume. <laughs> so why am I saying all this? Why am I relating all these incidents? God's brought some people through sufferings. I don't know where y'all have been. I don't know what you've come through, but God's brought people through sufferings. But he said, after you've suffered a while, show me ministers and ministries that are established, that are settled, that are strength, that can strengthen people. Now we're in a place where the young man and the fair virgin's fainting. There's not a move of God for people. You don't win people to the Lord with programs. You don't win people to the Lord with smoke and mirrors. When people are bound by torment and spirits and depression and anxiety and sickness and disease, there's got to be anointing of deliverance. You don't find it many places. God's put something in this church. God's put something in this church. He's put something in the lives of these people. And God's bringing a church to maturity. He's bringing a church to maturity. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? There is at the door an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire like fell at Pentecost 
It's at the door. Because God has to restore the government and the order to the church. He's got to restore it. Y'all hear me? He's got to restore it. The church is in disarray. I'm a pastor. Brother Michael's a pastor. His brother back here is pastored. She's a pastor. As much as we love God and agree on the Word, every one of us just about pull in a different direction with our churches. There's no unity. There's no leadership. There's no order. There's no apostolic, prophetic. I'm talking about men like Paul and Peter. I'm talking about men like Moses and Elijah. I ain't talking about these people running around in a three-piece suit with a business card. It's got apostle wrote on it. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people like Paul where they said, Thou has borne the signs of an apostle. I've borne the signs of great miracles and deliverance and standing solid on the Word for 46 years. I've borne the signs of an apostle. That's why the Lord told me in 2015, I've called you to be an apostle. It wasn't something I just stepped into. It's 43 years of hard sufferings and labor, being persecuted, being lied on, having my name cast out as evil, being prophesied against. Let me tell you something. You're going to live ungodly and unrighteous. I ain't working with you. You ain't going to keep your life clean. Don't you want to come stand in my pulpit? It ain't happening. I believe in a holy God. And I believe in ministers that minister the Word. Their lives have got to be clean. Amen. And the reason God lets us suffer is to purge these things out of us. To get out of us what's displeasing to Him. You appreciate the Lord tonight? I hope this Word's been a great strength and an encouragement to you. I really do. Because God's perfecting the people. Maturing them. Because if you don't come forth in maturity, you ain't going to help nobody. You ain't going to help nobody. And I'm totally against these young people that come to the Lord and then jump out here in six months, a year, year and a half, two years, and they start trying to be used to the gifts. Uh-uh. I was seven to eight years. And I'm in continual fasting and prayer before God ever started gifting me. I can tell you what's happened to a lot of people. There's a spirit of suicide and witchcraft got in the church. And he's got through these young people. And pastors didn't know the difference. There's a lot of pastors started out right. And they lost their dedication. And now they're operating with suicide and witchcraft. And God's going to purge the church. God is now going to purge the church. Because I'm going to tell you something. You ain't going to live a loose life and go out here... And, and fellowship the world and live out in the world and walk in the pulpit and have signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, you operating in the wrong spirit. You operating in the wrong spirit. God said, I'm going to establish you. I'm going to strengthen you. He said, I'm going to settle you. We need to settle in. We need to settle in. We need to settle in. We need God to condition us to put a hunger in our hearts to seek God for this baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because we don't have it. You do not have what happened on the day of Pentecost. I don't care what you've been taught. You ain't got it. I spent 46 years serving God. I fasted and prayed for days on end. There's a couple times I thought I was going to kill myself in fasting. But I didn't talk no better. 
I didn't have any wisdom. I didn't have any understanding. I mean, I fasted 60-plus days and nearly killed myself a couple of times. Used to do two or three 40-day fast a year, all-time fasting, 3, 7, 12, 14, 21. Fasting would have got it, and prayer would have got it. I'd have had it, but it ain't. And there's people still think fasting and prayer will kill the carnal mind. It'll subdue your natural man, but it won't kill him. Because the second you start eating, your carnal mind's coming alive. It's coming alive. But there is a spirit of Christ that will put the carnal man to death. And he's fixing to baptize us in it. Amen. I didn't mean to be long speaking tonight, but I felt like this was necessary. I felt like God has a purpose in this word. Amen. I feel like God's got a purpose in this word. And we're going to gather together in the morning at 1030. And we're going to come in here and go to prayer. And we're going to see where the Spirit of God takes us. Nobody's set to preach. Nobody in this meeting has been set to preach. This has all been by the Spirit of God. Have the Spirit of God led. The Spirit of God took over last night. Used me for a bit. Then it fell on Sister Angela. God used her to lay hands on people, bring great deliverance in some lives last night. Is God through? No. If you need something from the Lord, keep pressing. Keep pressing. But you know what I'd press for? For God to mature me. For God to restore my dedication of prayer. For God to restore my relationship with Him. Because that's where people are falling short. You say, well, Brother Better, God don't move like He used to. People don't pray like they used to. People don't seek God like they used to. Amen. They don't do it. And we wonder why there's no move of God. You know why? The fair virgins are fainting. The young men are fainting because there's no obedience to the Word of God. When I come to the Lord, I spend hours and days studying the Word, praying, in prayer, in fasting, seeking God because I was hungry. People don't have a hunger for God anymore. But what God's doing now, you ain't going to do it in fasting and prayer. You may do some fasting, but what God's revealing now is going to come by the Christ being formed in you and Him taking over and killing your sin nature. That's where we're at. I told somebody, the Lord spoke to me here about a uh, month, maybe two months ago. And I know a lot of y'all, y'all heard the word back in the late 60s and early 70s, Behold the Lamb of God. It set a fire through the land, brought in many souls. But Behold the Lamb of God is what John preached. But then... Jesus came preaching the kingdom. The message today ain't behold the Lamb of God. It's the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you hear what I said? It's changed. It's changed. We're now being put in place to possess the kingdom. But somebody's got to reach that maturity to demonstrate this kingdom. Do you love the Lord tonight? I hope this word has helped some of you. I believe the testimonies of my wife and Sister Angela and some of the things I brought out, I believe they'll help you and strengthen you. Amen. I believe they will. But, Danny, don't you give up on God. Don't you give up on God, man. You're called. I'm telling you, you're called for evangelism. Matter of fact, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. I've known this young man. I don't even know how old he was when I was. He was young, what, probably 10, 11, 12, 13, or 14. But he had a praying mama. I'm talking about a woman that bombarded the heavens. 
That call of evangelism is there. It's there. doesn't matter where you're at right now. doesn't matter the discouragement, whatever you've been through. It don't matter. The Word and the working of the Spirit is there. And your mama's prayers is there. You ain't getting away from them. You ain't getting away from them, son. I'm... Oh, I stir stir up that call. I stir it up. I stir it up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I stir it up, Lord. Restore the spirit of prayer. Restore it, Lord. Restore. Restore that spirit of prayer. Let the fire of your word and your spirit burn in his soul. In the name of Jesus in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm not going to minister a lot tonight. I don't feel it, but I just felt led to pray for Brother Danny. But tomorrow at 1030, let's come in here and go to prayer. Let's come in here and go to prayer. You come submit you. You want God to move for you? Submit yourself to Him. Submit yourself to Him. I've had people tell me, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try to come one night. I said, don't bother. You don't want to come submit yourself to God and reach out for God to do something for you? I said, don't bother. You should make me so mad. I'd be in tent revivals, and I'd be there 14, 21 days, and I'd talk to people. I said, how about coming and being in the revival and praying with us, and, and let's fight for a move. Oh, I might can get there one night. You ain't got no more burden for souls and burden for yourself. Well, I look at it, don't bother. Don't bother. God's people have gotten satisfied with life. They've settled down in the good things of life, but yet deep inside, they wonder what's happened to their prayer life and their relationship with God. Things in life can knock you down. They can knock you down. Trials can hurt you. They can wound you. They can cause you to draw back. But that don't mean God's forgot you. That don't mean God's left you. You're going to be able to be in any more services. Good. I'm reaching for you. I feel like God wants to do something in you. I really do. There's a deep love for God in your heart. But there's also a lot of scars and a lot of wounds. But God ain't forgot you. You hear me? You ain't forgot you. A lot of God's people have been knocked down. We've been knocked down. But that's the devil's business. But picking us back up is God's business. Amen. But we've got to hold on to him. Hold on, brother. You hear me? God sent you this way, and I know there's help for you. I know there's strength for you. There's strength for you too, young lady. The Lord's going to work something in you while you're here. Y'all going to get to stay through Sunday? You get in here in prayer with us in the morning at 1030 and let's press. She told me something I didn't know. She told me she's 13 under my tent in Batesville, Mississippi. That was probably back around, I think I had two meetings there, 90 and 91. She said the first time she ever felt the Spirit of God was under my tent. And I got young people like this all over the country. I got people like this have been healed of all manner of sickness and disease. God's touched their life. They're all over the country. Sister Pat, if I die tomorrow, 
I got a legacy. Stop and ask yourself, what's your legacy? What's your legacy? What have you done for God? What are you going to be remembered for? If I went home tomorrow, I got a legacy of fighting for the faith. I got a legacy of miracles and healing and deliverance. I got a legacy of standing for a pure, holy, undefiled, unadulterated Word of God. I got a legacy. I fought for that and sitting right there from when I met her in the early 70s till she finally come in this church, what, 2005 or six. You're talking about one has been through the fire? Now, that right there has been through the fire. Drug addict, drug dealer, life went to shambles. She come to meetings with her mama. Her mama dragged her to church and her out there in sin, living like the devil, and she didn't want to come. She'd come with her mama to appease her mama, and she'd be in my meetings, and I'd walk by, and the Spirit of God hit me, and I'd lay hands on her, and the Holy Ghost just knock her crazy. You know why? I wanted to remember that touch. I wanted to remember, because I can remember back in the early 70s when I met her praying all night with her. And I knew God wasn't through with her. See, we can turn loose. But don't turn loose because God don't turn loose. Amen. You appreciate the Lord tonight? I appreciate what God's doing in this meeting. But it's going to come through prayer. There's been more exhortation tonight than there has been the whole meeting put together. But I felt like this was necessary. I ain't going to tell you what God's going to do tomorrow, but I will tell you this. The Lord put this in my spirit. I ain't told nobody, but he put it in my spirit. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, if you want to learn, I'm going to go right back in this fellowship hall, and I'm going to teach on the book of Joel. If you want to come to church tomorrow night. So we've got service in the morning at 1030. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, I'm going to sit down back here, and I'm going to teach on the book of Joel. Because Joel has been totally misinterpreted. People do not understand the writings of Joel, and they don't understand the working of the Holy Ghost. We preach Joel entirely wrong. So it's up to you whether you won't come or not. But I thank God for what he's doing. I do. I thank God for what he's doing. But if you come hear me teach, I'm not going to teach you according to men's doctrines. I'm going to teach you what God showed me. Because man's doctrines kill the church. Amen. Man's doctrine has killed the church. But I'm going to take just a few minutes here and I'm going to receive an offering before I do. I know we got some folks here from out of town, but I'm going to tell you something. It's just like this young lady back here. My ministry touched her life in the 90s. I've known her mom and dad since the 80s. She was just a young lady when I first started coming around the 80s and 90s. Sister Angela, what was it, 88? You first walked under my tent in Savannah, Georgia. 89. Some of y'all, just like Sister Gail, I fought for you. And if you can help me tonight, help me. But what I want is people that's going to make a commitment on a monthly basis to help me because when the Lord told us to leave this church and go to L.A.J., Georgia, start another work, I had a business when I was here, paid a lot of bills, paid a lot of church bills here. 
But when I went to LJ, the Lord made me sell my business, and he told me, I don't want you doing nothing but prayer and study of the Word. And we have fought a financial battle. We have fought a financial battle. You try to believe God for a mortgage payment and a car payment and insurance and a light bill every month, and you ain't got no income except, and I'm not going to preach for money. I refuse. I could go preach, Brother Danny. People would help me. I'm not going to preach for money. I never did when I was evangelizing. I will not preach for money. I will not preach to get an offering. But the Lord told me back in 96, He said, there's coming a day. He said, I'm going to give you, and the Lord spoke, said, it's Gideon's 300. He said, there's coming a day. He said, I'm going to have 300 people send you $100 a month. We're, we're getting close on that day. Because this thing's fixing to explode. I'm not asking you to send me $100 a month, but I am asking you to make to pray about making a commitment to this ministry once a month. 20, 25, 30, whatever you can do. If you ain't going to church somewhere and you ain't honoring God in your tithing offerings, you need to put your tithing offerings in words doing something. If you're going to church here and you honoring God with your tithing offerings here, don't send me your tithe. Don't send me your offerings that you need to help this man. You sacrifice and send something extra. Every one of you can afford a dollar a day. Brother Minner, you don't know where I'm at financially. Let me tell you something. Maybe if you send me that dollar a day, you'll get somewhere financially. <laughs> Maybe God will pull you out of that pit. But I'm going to set the offering bucket down, and I'm going to ask you if God's blessed your heart with this word, and you believe God's with me, and you believe I'm real for God. I want, I want your help tonight. And I'll say this to you. I, I said it all the time I was evangelizing. You think I've said something to get your money or I'm trying to hoodoo you or pull a fasting on you? You keep your money. I don't want it because God will take care of me. But if you believe I'm real for God, stand on your feet. If you want to make out a check, make it out to World Revival. 